Welcome to another episode of BSing with Sean K. I'm your host, Sean Neese. On this show, I talk with people who live outside the box and provide a platform for opinions not often heard in the mainstream media. And for this episode, this is episode 73, man. 73, 73, 73, And for this episode, I'm going to play you a conversation I had with uh, independent filmmaker Christine... Vartogian. She is most known for her film Living with the Dead, which has been awarded the Audience Choice Award at the Art of Brooklyn Film Festival, as well as the Best Feature Film at the Aberdeen Film Festival, and it is currently available on Amazon Video On Demand. She is a member of Lincoln Center Theatre Directors Lab and the film Fatals. I met Christine on the set of Elementary, and like many of you know, I do background work. I'm an actor, uh, and Elementary is usually one of my favorite shows to work on. That's where I got one of my uh, SAG waivers, actually, was on uh, Elementary playing a food taster, and that's always like a quick day, because when I met her, the the day that I met her, we were doing a bar scene, and we we had a 4 p.m. call time, and it ended at 7 p.m. and we got paid for a full day either way so that was cool and anyway i'm not going to give too much more away about the conversation uh it was a good chat and i hope you enjoy it hello hi sean how are you good how are you i like good. your lion avatar <laughs> yeah and my spirit animal oh like being strong is that does that go with being an artist or a creator kind of oh. uh I think that working in like film and and TV, you kind of have to be kind of tough because it's, you know, it's a lot of uh, obstacles and making a movie isn't easy. So I feel like the lion like reminds me to be, um, I guess, courageous more than more than tough, like just having courage. Yeah, is, it, is there like a is there like a book or something? A spirit? I've, I've I've heard people mention they have different spirit animals. Is there like a book? That you look at and then like it tells you what you are based on your personality or you just kind of choose it and- um i just kind of choose it but i'm sure they're they're like books written about like anything like there are books written about how trump is the greatest man in america so i'm sure there are books about um about spirit animals i think people just choose um animals they relate to oh, okay and, and a line i guess because because um so you've had to be your your film is I know has been in some festivals right the Living with the Dead. Yeah, yeah, uh, it went through the festival circuit for about a year and a half, um, and then it landed uh, where it is now, which is on Amazon Prime, um, and it's screening. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime in the U.S. and Canada, but also in several other countries. I know Australia and New Zealand. Um, they just subtitled it in Arabic, so it might be in Saudi Arabia soon. Um, but yeah, it's kind of 
Amazon is a great platform because they're in so many different countries. So if they like your film or your film does well in one country, they tend to like put it in other countries. And have you tried with Netflix or anything like that? I don't, I don't even know how you submit to Netflix or if you if there's a way to do that. I have a sales agent, so that person does like all the Amazon stuff and all the uh, like any distribution stuff. So uh, Netflix. Netflix is tricky because Netflix is starting to change their uh, programming. They really like doing original content, and they're starting to transition more into that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think it's also – I don't know too much about it because my sales agent does it, but uh, I think there are some uh, companies that – compete with each other so if you're signed on to one you know obviously like netflix isn't going to want something if people can see it for free on amazon prime so so your film deals with suicide the the girl uh like her boyfriend committed suicide so the film living with the dead is about a girl who runs away from home after her boyfriend kills himself and it's more about her and how she deals with it and survivors of suicide then um, suicide itself, like that part gets established in the very beginning. Um, and then it's a, mostly an adventure story about ha what happens to her when she gets into the small town. She basically just gets on a bus going nowhere in particular um, and wakes up one day and she's in a town, small town, um, by a forest and she meets another runaway that kind of squats in the library some nights, lives in a treehouse in the forest, and it's sort of just her trying to figure out what happened. And she has a suitcase full of books that she carries around with her everywhere. Um, and these books were left behind by her boyfriend, and they're all books either by writers who have killed themselves or books by writers where they discuss suicide. Um, and she's trying to figure out, like, what if there's any kind of secret message or anything she can find in these books that he was always reading that can kind of explain to her why he did what he did. And, like, getting inside their head to get inside his head? Yeah, she's trying to see, like, if he made notes in any of these books. She's, like, taking notes and, like, underlining things throughout the whole film. So she's, like, do she's, like approaching it as an academic, I guess, would someone who's just used to being that person in school that gets all the good grades that has like a really charmed life until something like this happens. So her background is to study and to approach things that way. So that's what she's trying to do. And she's not really, she's getting frustrated because of course, if you approach something this sensitive and this clinical, you know, um, or approaching something this sensitive in a clinical way, you're not going to find the answer you're looking for. So it's sort of about her and how she grows up, I guess, um, and becomes like the person she is going to be instead of the person that she had planned to be the college, Yale, um, just model student, model daughter. And so it's, yeah, she's growing up into someone else, um, and that and the film is really her story about that. So what inspired the film? I was actually inspired by the location. I was working on um, a short film project 
that was shooting in upstate New York at a place called Art Farm Recording. And the property is sort of made for for musicians and artists and filmmakers to work on projects with. And the forest location was just so amazing. There were boats and tree houses and just strange like little streams and you could really you could get lost in there but you wanted to get lost there and I thought oh well we're only here for a week working on this short film it would be great if we could be here for uh for a month so I started writing um the story based around that location and then I thought you know what kind of people would live in this forest and what would they do? And, you know, I had like a lot of personal issues that kind of translated into the film um, and into like the character's struggle. But I think a lot of it has just been my love for books and literature. And for some reason, I don't know, I've always just been attracted to, to themes of suicide and the writers that have, committed suicide have been so so many of them are so brilliant that I've always wondered is it worth it like if they could trade in their brilliance for happiness would they so so you're saying kind of like how being like intelligence can make people sad like if they're in their head more I I mean it yeah I think it can I think it does all the time um I think like some people, the reason why they were so talented was because they had so many difficulties and issues. And so I sometimes wonder, you know, like a lot of like you could take, for example, like a poem and someone writing a poem about something terrible. Would they but the poem is amazing. So would they trade in that poem instead of having to endure the horrible experience? And sometimes I think some people would rather choose to be happy and have a simple life than have been this like great artist um, and have been sad. Art can be used, I guess, as a good thing to come out of suffering. I think that that's always like the best thing to come out of suffering. I think that if you don't either have like personal growth um, or or at least a nice piece of work or writing or film or any kind of artistic expression. I really don't see, I mean, suffering is, you know, really difficult. So how can, I always think, how can I make it better? Or how can I, uh, you know, like if I'm going to have like a miserable experience, can I make a film? Because then at least I'm going to have the film. And I'll have something to show for having like a miserable experience instead of just wallowing in it and um, being unhappy. So you think unhappy experiences can make more powerful art than happy experiences? Um, I don't really think it's like a comparison. I think that um, I think that difficult experiences can make for interesting art. So what was uh, the process like getting this film together and like shooting it and uh, casting it and everything? Um, well, we it was the process was long and uh, and difficult, but also a lot of fun. I was working with some friends that I had worked with before, some who I've known since I was you know a teenager myself. So it was really a good group dynamic, which made it very um exciting and fun 
and it was, you know, it took us about maybe like three months of pre-production um, to get everything together. We had to do a Kickstarter to get some funding. We uh, had auditions to find the right actors. Um, and it was really just like step by step going through the whole pre-production process. Uh, what made it easier was that we already had our main location, which was the forest. So we were lucky that we could book that location. And that location was also where we, we lived. And there was a huge house on the property where everyone had, you know, rooms and beds. And it was kind of like going away to summer camp, but like, you have to make this movie. You can't just like go in into the river and have fun. So were you worried it wouldn't come out the way you wanted it to, or that it wouldn't, um, like the way you envisioned it wouldn't come out the same way on film? No, I, I, I don't usually, I try not to worry, um, about that. I, I think if you're going to worry about whether or not your, you know, vision is going to come out exactly the way you have it in your head, you're just going to be worrying about that instead of trying to do what you need to do to get it to be the way it is in your head. I don't think it ever comes out for me the way it is in my head. I've never worked on any project where like it's come out exactly like that, but I don't worry about it. Uh, I try not, I try to worry as little as possible on film sets and in pre-production. So it's more of a in the moment kind of thing that sort of develops organically, I guess, like as you're filming it. I mean, obviously there's already the script, but um, rather than have a vision ahead of time, like it just sort of develops in the moment, is what you're saying. I mean, n no, I, I definitely have like every you know scene shot, designed, and listed. Every piece of costume is prepared and bagged and labeled, and everything is very organized and prepared. I just you know do that so that I don't have to worry about it. And it's just, uh, I know what I have to do and what's in my head. And I've had rehearsals with the actors so that when I get to set, I'm not really worried about anything because I've done uh, all the preparation and all the homework. So what were some of the major challenges with filming it? Um, well, I think, you know, the definitely the, the weather and the, the light because we were shooting outdoors so much. So just being with nature and shooting with what nature had for us uh, was probably one of the biggest challenges. And how did you become interested in filmmaking? Um, I used to, I became interested in filmmaking when I would cut class a lot <laughs> when I was a teenager growing up. Um, and for I, I was lucky enough to have a friend who was really into indie movies and directors that most teenagers wouldn't know about. So I started uh, watching Kubrick films when I was 12 and uh, independent films. And I remember seeing Velvet Goldmine and Titus when I was uh, in high school and just thinking it was the most amazing way to interact with some kind of art. Like I just always felt more comfortable with uh, relating to movies than with, you know, even relating to people sometimes, especially when I was a teenager. So that to me was a way of communicating. And I think that a lot of the things 
artists do in a way is to try to communicate something. Did you ever have any doubts when you got started or anything? I always had doubts. I mean, I think I still have doubts. I always think like, why am I doing this? Like, this is not easy. Um, but I didn't have doubts strong enough to keep me from trying. And yeah, you have to try. People have to try. If you really want something, you'll try. And if you uh, don't really want something, you'll give yourself a reason for not trying. And the real reason is because you don't want it as much as you thought you did, which is a hard thing for, for people to admit. But I think it's really important that people in film do what they're doing because they really want to. Because when it does get difficult, this can happen to any filmmaker, producer, director, actor, even if they're at the top of their career, if something happens and things get difficult, you have to have enough faith to to continue. And uh, I, I generally just, I think about doubt a lot and I try to not give it as much credit as it deserves because any kind of doubt will ruin and doubt ruins relationships. It ruins ambition. I try to be as positive as possible because filmmaking is so difficult that it's like, if I think it's difficult and I make it more difficult for myself, it's just going to be too much. So I try not to, I try not to doubt. I try to have faith. Um, if something doesn't work out, that means it's because something better is going to work out. Uh, and that's just sort of, you know, I try to take, take everything day by day. And how, how do you stay motivated? You just remember like why you started, I guess, or? I actually, yeah, that's a good question. Cause I actually do think of the actual phrase, remember why you started a lot in my head. Um, so that, that does help me because I don't think about the actual, when I put that in my mind, I'm not thinking about the production process. I'm thinking about what it was like when I first fell in love with film and when I first, you know, was really excited about it and what film has given me. So that kind of, um, that kind of thinking makes it a lot easier for me to, to keep going because I get, I still have that like excited kid feeling. Like if someone's talking about like one of my favorite movies, it's, I love it so much that I don't even think about how hard it is. So, yeah, that's it's definitely a way I stay motivated. So your uh your first feature length was the the Living Living with the Dead and you did short films before that was that of a similar theme? Uh I did a couple of short films before that and they were there were so, there was one that was like a similar theme of someone looking for someone that they lost and trying to trying to connect with someone that they can't connect with. But my thesis film when I was in school was very different. It was a it was a pretty it was a dark comedy, but it was definitely a comedy about a girl who was trying to trick her high school boyfriend to, to lose his virginity to her. Um, and it had a lot of bright colors and the characters were very like young and funny and it was just like a completely different feeling. Um, so I don't necessarily like to stick to one genre, but I do like to have everything like in the world kind of 
work together and match itself so that the costumes lend themselves to the characters and the music lends itself to the story and da da da. So the short I did before Living with the Dead was very much like funny, colorful, energetic, upbeat, like kind of very different from Living with the Dead actually. But you try to keep your own unique flavor with it no matter what genre you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important to me because the movies for me that inspire me, make me feel like I'm in a different world and that kind of room to escape is really important for me with anything. Um, books, music, especially film and film is one of the few works of art that are so immersive because they use, they're not just visual, they use music and they have dialogue and they have all these things. So having it be another world is really important for me, for me to be able to really communicate and affect audiences. I want to pull them into a place they've never been before. So how do you, how do you find your style? Does it just, uh, I guess it comes naturally. Is there a way to, um, cause I, I know you need to brand yourself, uh, like for marketing the film, like, so people, uh, recognize your style when they see it or like, how, how do you, how do you, how do you recognize that yourself? Like, uh, I think for me, I try to just, uh, think about what topics I like and what kind of style, you know, I naturally, I play, I pay attention to how I am naturally and what my inclinations are. And then I think, and I look at them and, you know, figure out like what, what are not only like my favorite parts, but what are the parts that I'm particularly good at. And I have found that I do definitely prioritize the actors and the writing. So for me, that's something that always, I think, comes across very strongly in my work is that the dialogue is smart and the characters are interesting and the actors, I mean, acting for me, um, the actors are so important. So I always, you know, you can have like one camera and it not moving anywhere at all, but if the acting is great, then, you know, people are interested. And what part of the production process do you enjoy the most? Uh, I think I enjoy being on set the most. I think that's always really, no matter how things are going, it's always really great to work with a bunch of people and be excited about what you're doing. Even when it's difficult, you, it never feels like, it always feels like you have people around you that are gonna, like you have like your group, your like army. So even if things are tricky, it's like, you, you know, you have the support. And I think that that's always something really good to have when you're making a film. Um, I like the writing process a lot, too. But after a while, it does get, you know, it does get a little lonely and you kind of want, like, human interaction again. So with uh, directing, what techniques have you learned and how do you get uh, what you want, like, out of an actor while letting them also be themselves with the role too 
Well, my background is in theater. Um, I studied theater in undergrad, and I did a lot of directing, but also acting when I was in uh, school. So I kind of understood what it felt like to be on both sides. Being from a theater background, you spend a lot of time with actors, and you rehearse a lot, and you have that time to really work with them and learn how actors see things and how it is for them to to embody a script and for me, it's always important that the actor feels like they are coming up with their character themselves or that they have a part in it, that it's not just a director telling them, like, where to walk and how to do things. I think that's something that film directors, you know, really need to, to prioritize is to making the actor feel like they are part of the production uh, as much as anyone else, you know, because actors you can't really especially with film where the camera sees like every single pore you know if you have an actor that really feels in the moment that comes across on camera in a way that it doesn't always come across so uh i kind of just work with them talk to them um and relate to them like as a person before uh even thinking of them as an actor honestly and I guess it doesn't come out as natural if there's too many restrictions on, like, what the character should be. Uh, I think that it's good to talk about everything beforehand, obviously, so that when you're on set, everyone is good to go. But, yeah, I think it's a discussion. I think that, you know, just because I wrote the character doesn't mean that there aren't things about the character that someone else can see in them or that someone, a particular actor, wants to bring part of themselves into it because they relate to a very particular thing. So to me, it's always important that it's like a kind of collaborative joint communication that's not just one-sided. And you're still doing, well, I mean, you're doing background work because you worked on uh, Elementary was the show I think we worked on. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I found that background work is the easiest job to have while I'm writing or in pre-production because I get to pick which days I work. And there's often a lot of time on set where I just spend time sending emails, looking at uh, actors, casting, updating the script, um, drawing the, the shot designs, the storyboards. Uh, and background work has made that really pretty great for me and then you know if you're part of SAG which I am you can actually it's an even more comfortable way to to pay the bills and to just be I mean I spend my time I don't work at home I've never really worked at home I always work out of a coffee shop um so to me being in holding is sort of like just a different version of a coffee shop so the background work is fun uh, and it's just so low stress compared to all the other jobs in film. I started out as a PA on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and then I was a PA on a couple other productions when I got out of film school. And um, it's so much work, you know, and this is like just the entry-level position, and it's so much work and so much responsibility. And with background work, what's great about it is, like, I, I walk where they tell me to walk, and I don't really have to you know, I don't, I leave set at the end of the day and I did what I did and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And I guess, um, 
there's a, there's a, with the PA work, it's you're putting more energy into a project you're not necessarily that passionate about. Well, it's it's a it's just PA work is a lot more work than it looks like. I think to people on the outside, it's so much responsibility, and you are constantly. You, you know, you don't really get a break. You don't have time to to relax. Every time a PA is, you know, uh, looking like they're just doing paperwork, they might have, a, you know, a whole conversation going on in the headset that they're listening to that they might get pulled into every second. So you don't have time to let your mind rest when you're a PA. Um, and you learn a lot. I mean, I learned a lot for the years I was a PA. And then I realized, you know, that unless I want to be – uh, an assistant director that it's time to make my own film and not take these uh, assistant jobs that, you know, are 14 plus hours a day. And, you know, I think PA jobs are great for, for people looking to learn. And after a few years, unless you want to be like a production coordinator or in the DGA, it's time to, to kind of take what you learned and, you know, go out in the world and do it and do, you know, your own thing. And a lot of, a lot of background, like, complain about the, the PAs having, like, an attitude or seeming <laughs> frustrated, but I guess, you know, it's a difficult job, like you were saying. That's probably why they're, a lot of them are sometimes in a bad mood on the set. So. Yeah, it's a difficult job. I mean, I definitely always try to empathize with them as much as possible, Chances are that if they're, um, you know, being a little unpleasant, it's because their boss or the person above them is giving them a hard time. And it just is like a very big trickle down effect. You know, if someone is being told they're doing a good job, they're generally in a good mood and nice to people around them. And, you know, honestly, sometimes it's just people who have been doing it for too long. You know, I think that's like with any job anywhere. If you don't, uh, you know, get promoted, you don't move up and you're doing the same job you've been doing for a long time, you know, it gets uninteresting and it makes you not really want to be there. And I, you know, I do notice there are some PAs that just don't, you know, they don't really want to be there, but they haven't, um, you know, kind of like flown out of the nest completely yet. Um, but then there are some PAs that are amazing and are on their way to being an AD and you can tell they're going to be an amazing AD, uh, the the whole team on Gotham is always great. There are some groups that just work really well together, so they're happy when they get to set. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I I definitely, you know, it's all it's all a collaboration. In the end, the reason that you know background can be on set is because of the PAs and the reason the PAs are hired is because there are background actors that need a PA. So it's, I really think it's a very 50, 50 thing. Like background people need to be respectful and nice and make the PAs job easier and the PAs need to make, you know, people that are doing background comfortable and, you know, especially when it comes to safety and things like that. So it's just like people working together. If you're nice to someone, they'll be nice to you and, so they, they need each other, so they need to, like, I mean, their jobs, you need each other to do each other's jobs, so. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes, you know, when you have, like, 100 background or 200 or, you know, a large amount, they hire additional PAs 
because there are so many background people. So sometimes they're literally the reason they're there is because you're there. <laughs> and and if they didn't need a hundred background people, there would be half the amount of PAs. So some of them literally are like just day players and they get booked for additional days on whatever shows because they, yeah, they, they, <laughs> there's no background, there's no background PA. <laughs> So how did the experience differ uh, working on a major television show like Herb Your Enthusiasm and working on the set of your own independent film? Um, well, they're probably about 10 or 15 percent of the amount of people on an indie film than there were on Curb. Uh, it's a different sort of rhythm because you have a few people doing a lot of work and kind of carrying a lot of that on big sets. Everyone has their specific job. It's very compartmentalized um, and things move pretty fast because of that. But on an indie film, you don't really have the luxury of hiring like a million people. And in that way, it brings people the plus of that is that even though people have to spend more effort and energy and work harder and sometimes carry equipment and things that are physically exhausting kind of brings people together because it's a, you know, tricky situation and everyone has to, you know, get on board really fast and work together well to make that happen. Um, I mean, the luxuries of like, crafty and the catering and things like that on big budget sets are completely different. So it's not like a comfortable, like, you know, you're not sitting around in an air conditioned room <laughs> environment. You're probably in the forest on the ground trying not to get too dirty. So it's a totally different experience. And what was it like? Uh, did you do the, you did the casting too? What was it like casting these characters? Casting was really fun. Um, casting is always one of my favorite parts because I love actors so much. And the cast were made up of a lot of actors that I had worked with before. Um, I tend to not do too many auditions. If I've worked with an actor before and I really liked working with them, I kind of write things for them. Um, or I just always have them in mind. So when I get to casting, I'm pretty much just handing them the script and being like, hey, are you interested in doing this? Um, and then sometimes I'll have auditions after that, but I'll have known who I wanted and I'll have discussed it with them. Uh, and so the casting, we did two rounds of auditions. We had our auditions and then we had uh, another set of auditions and callbacks. And we we really were able to cast the two male roles really pretty easily. Like it was the lead actress that was kind of tricky to cast. And I found this girl, Emily Jackson by complete like happenstance. She was a friend of the casting director's brother but the casting director had never met her and she didn't have any photos or images. She just had this one YouTube video of her singing the national anthem at a hockey game. Um, and it was such a bad, like from the farthest seat in the middle of nowhere, you know, this little video of like a blurry figure that you really couldn't tell, couldn't tell how old she was, couldn't tell what she looked like. I could tell it was a woman. 
<laughs> and that was about it. So when she showed up, she was scheduled to read for one of the uh, smaller parts. And she was so, so great that I asked her, like, then and there, I was like, can you stay, like, another half an hour? And I gave her sides to the main character. And Emily Jackson was just, she, she sings a lot. And so I think that that kind of sensitivity comes across in her acting as well. So that was my process of finding her. Um, it was kind of like, as soon as she walked in the room, I was like, whoa, like, okay, I'm, I'm paying attention. And, uh, it was just like the best surprise. And I think that happens with casting sometimes is that you, you know, have this idea of what you're looking for. And then an actor comes in and they're just so magical that it makes you rethink whatever you had planned about the character, whatever you imagined the character to look like or act like. And, yeah, it's the casting process is always my favorite. And I guess it, you brought up a, a good point that, like, a lot of people in the industry, I guess, need to remember. Well, it's a good thing to think of is, like, uh, like when you work with people and, like, they know you, then they want to use you again. So, like, you were saying you use people you worked with before, and it's just about, like, networking and knowing the right people and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think it's knowing... Um, I think it's being able to work together too, as as well as having their work be inspiring. So it's like twofold, um, because there are some people I meet that, you know, I I become really good friends with, but we met working together, so we know that we can work together. So even though we're friends, we know that if you know I cast them in a in a project or if they are you know doing my costumes or producing or whatever, I know that I already have that foundation of like meeting them and working with them. Um, but I think with actors it's really especially important to to have a sort of friendship or some kind of camaraderie with them because it's such a personal you know, it's such a personal thing. I think actors, to me, are, are so amazing because they're using their whole self to express these emotions that oftentimes are not pretty and not, you know, the kind of emotions that people think are great and positive and good. And sometimes these actors have to be really bad people. And if you don't have a closeness with them, I mean, how are they going to really express themselves fully? I would feel, you know, in their shoes that if I was in an unfamiliar territory, like a set that I've never been on before, it would be hard for me to feel comfortable enough to be completely um, visible and transparent and honest. And I guess if you don't enjoy working with the person then it's hard to even if the person's uh, a great actor like if they're not fun to work with or someone you enjoy working with it's not gonna go as well as it would yeah it's just not as much fun I mean sometimes uh, you know the performance is so great that that's really the most inspiring thing and that sometimes is worth it I mean I, I do definitely believe that filmmaking should be enjoyable and people should have a good time and feel comfortable on set. But in the end of the day, the footage and what you do with the footage is what matters. So 
it's not, you know, no one has to be like, you know, married to each other, but I think it does make the process more enjoyable and, uh, and just easier and quicker and better, uh, for everyone. So do you have any projects planned for the future? Like what, what do you have planned next? Um, right now I'm working on another feature film, um, about a group of kids who are squatting in an abandoned psychiatric hospital. And, uh, we're looking to shoot in, uh, December, January. So it's coming up soon and we've been in pre-production the last couple months, uh, I'm working with some people that I've worked with before, uh, so that's great. But then I also am working with some new people I've never worked with before, and that's always fun, too, because you just get to, like, expand your your network and your team and your group. Um, so that's what I've been working on. I've been doing, like, most of my days recently have consisted of, like, location scouting, uh, storyboarding, writing character bios, looking at actors, uh, so that's what I have going on now. Um, and this time around, it's I can enjoy it more because I'm not as anxious and I know a little bit more after doing the first feature. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's uh, It takes place in 1999, so it's technically a period piece, and me and my costume designer are going through all these, like, old... Uh, pieces of wardrobe and accessories on eBay that just, like, don't exist anymore. Um, and even that, to me, like, even, like, the small, like, I'm very detail-oriented, so even, like, the small details are re- really exciting to me. Um, my costume designer, Alana Goodman, who I also met doing background work, um, she is amazing, and she's, like, sending me photos of this like giant bag of like plastic little girls barrettes. And she's like, I put in a bid on this lot of, you know, and she's like, hopefully I get it. And we're like looking through all these little plastic like hair clips and it's, you know, even like small details like that are exciting to me. And you, you were saying that you were, so you were nervous, uh, when working on your first film, like of how yeah. it would be received. I was nervous about the whole thing. Thing. I think I think the first time you do a feature, you've you know, you've, if you've never done anything before, you go into something with as much as you know, and you hope you do it right, and you hope you do a good job. But if you've never done it before, you really don't know what you're gonna do until you do it. Um, and so that was always something that you know I like to be as prepared as possible. So you know, there's really no way to be prepared if you haven't done something before. Um, so yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely a lot more anxious with the first one, um, than I am now. And and what was it like, uh, like getting it out to film festivals and things like that? Um, that process was all right. Uh, you know, it was just a lot of like submitting to as many festivals as possible and just, knowing that for every festival it gets into, it's probably going to get rejected from a handful. So, uh, but it actually did a really good job with the festival circuit. And there were some really wonderful festivals that, you know, um, had me and hosted me and were really had like beautiful screening rooms. Um, we had a screening at the museum of the moving image, 
that the Queen's World Film Festival was doing, and that was a great uh, venue and really lovely, uh, really lovely programmers who made the event special. There's a film festival in Alaska called Anchorage International, and they were great because they flew me out to Alaska and put me in a nice little bed and breakfast, and I would wake up and see the sky every morning. Uh, film festivals are really fun because they're fun to go places you otherwise would never go to. Any advice for uh, like other aspiring filmmakers? Um, yeah, I think for me what's always kind of inspired me and motivated me is watching interviews, with filmmakers that I admire. I watch a lot of interviews uh, that Guillermo del Toro gives, that Todd Haynes gives. Um, and I think that just hearing people who have done it before and their stories, you know, always kind of motivates me. Um, I love watching the director commentaries on DVDs, which don't really exist if you only have Netflix, but the commentaries, just listening to how they do it, it's you can learn so much just from watching and listening. Uh, and and then really the, the best way to, to do something is to just do it and not worry about, like, if it's going to turn out great or not. Because if you're worried about how it's going to turn out, you're not going to be focusing on what you're doing. So I think, like, just do it is, like, really kind of a good way to approach pretty much anything in life. Of course, like, prepare and know what you want and design your shots and have all of that stuff prepared. But, like, you have to try to do it if you want to do it. If you, you know, are more interested in, a, you know, a different department, go and, you know, be a PA for that department. See if you like it. I mean, some people go into production and then end up in like props and so it's kind of cool to be able to assist different departments before you have to pick which one you want and just see what you like the most and what makes your life you know feel the fullest um and know that there are a lot of other people who have been where you've been and you know there are like infinite possibilities that we often do not see because we are focused on like this one small section of things we think are possible. So I would say that just go into it, think anything is possible and to, to try and, you know, make a short film, make a movie on your phone, make a, make something, just do something or draw something, draw storyboards, like just do as much work as you can until you feel like you are comfortable and want to shoot it and make it happen. All right. Well, uh, any final thoughts or things you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, I guess the, the, so one of the most helpful pieces of advice that I got when I had just graduated college was from uh, Edward Albee. And he was doing a small talk at my school, just like one class. And someone at the end of the discussion asked him, you know, if you had advice for young playwrights and, you know, what advice would you give them? And Edward Alvey was sitting like tipped back in his chair, like the kind of position where it looks like he could fall at any second. And he's super casual. He was like, there were three words I wish I learned to say when I was younger. 
go fuck yourself. And, and that to me has been, um, just other than very amusing has been a lot of like how to stick to your guns and, you know, don't tell people to go fuck themselves, but have the courage to know what you want and to not give in to what other people are trying to, to do. Because if you end up making a shitty film because you're influenced by someone else, you know, that's one thing, but if you end up making a shitty film, you know, because they were your own choices, at least they were your own. Yeah, that's true. And I guess if they really earn that, go fuck yourself, you can tell them, but generally. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I mean, like, I've definitely heard worse things on set than that. So people can people can say and do whatever they want to do. Uh, but it's like that idea of, like, sticking to your, to your guns and, you know, kind of, I saw it as a way of like respecting yourself by not letting yourself get pushed around. Like that's what I took from what Edward Albee said. Like asserting yourself and staying true to your heart and just believing in what you do. Yeah. Asserting yourself and not letting yourself get influenced by people who are, you know, not, they don't know, you know, what goes on inside your mind and, your work is your work. Uh, don't let your writing be twisted around by other people. Uh, do what you want. I always think that artists, you know, if you're going to do something in the hopes of getting it to other people or getting into Hollywood, that, you know, if you don't end up doing that, you're going to feel really terrible. And I feel like at the end of the day, if you really care about your work, even if no one else likes it, you know, if you like it, if you care about it, then that really is the best consolation. All right. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, it was good talking to you. Uh, I guess if you want, where can people find you like uh, on social media or like internet where, where you're, um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. My Instagram handle is Christine writes about you. Uh, and my film Living with the Dead is also on Instagram and Facebook and on Amazon Prime. Okay, so that's about it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that you found what she said insightful, especially if you're interested in filmmaking, acting, anything like that. And... Anyway, if you want to keep updated with future episodes of BSing with Sean K, go to bsingwithshawk.blogspot.com, and there's a link to my Twitter, my Facebook, my YouTube, and everything else. And yeah, I'll catch you on the next episode. BSing with. Who? BSing with. What?